So I took my pyjama top off and I tied it around my chest and it actually helped with the fact that I didn't have a sports bra either. So it kind of like became, became dual purpose. Hey guys, welcome to the second edition of the Mountain Ultra Trail Running Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Morgan. On today's show, my guest is none other than Sarah Cameron. I know Sarah personally. We met at an awesome 100 mile ultra marathon in Andorra called Rondadel Seams. I met her husband and her children, and she just inspired me. So I thought, hey, let's get her on the show. I hope you guys enjoy. She talks about her lifestyle, her diet, her accomplishments, and her future direction with ultra running. So enjoy, guys. Let's just, like yeah. you said, get on with it and just um, start from the beginning of how, how we met and how like we got to know each other. Uh, so maybe you could start off by telling that story. Well, what I remember about how we met Christian is that the way that we taught the good people of Andorra the alternative lyrics to living next door to Alice over the compares microphone, which we had stolen from him when he was announcing the finishes for Rondadel Seams. And uh, yeah, I think a few beers had gone down the hatch and uh, yeah, we taught them the alternative lyrics, which I can't possibly repeat on air. Well, you know what? It was a good way to meet each other, you know, under um, funny circumstances. I can't even remember that. <laughs> no. I can't even remember us getting the mic. In well, I, I can remember it clearly, which is quite surprising. But the thing about that race was as well, you'd actually finished and I hadn't. I, it was my only ever DNF and uh, I didn't even deserve any beers. You certainly did because you'd got round in a good time as well. Yeah, I got to say, it was nice to finish that. Just on a side note, did you hear the news about um, Andorra and the trails not being, yeah, so they're going to stop that particular race series? I saw that in the news this week. It, it looks like they're never going to hold Ronda del Seams or any of those races again. And uh, I believe it was because they had people being abusive towards the organizers because they were saying they could only give them a 70% refund for their places for this year if they'd signed up. And people didn't think that was good enough. And so they kicked off basically. And the organizers said, well, you know, we, we don't make any money from it anyway. If you're going to be abusive towards us, forget it. And I don't blame them. And I think 70% is actually really generous because they've probably already bought all the t-shirts and the medals and already invested a lot of money into it. So I'm not surprised, but I'm really sad. And I'd have liked to have gone back to avenge it one day for myself as well, <laughs> because it's, yeah, it stands there as the only race I've ever not finished. And now I'll never be able to finish it you could go and do it you know without the organization that would be more fun actually wouldn't it and stay in the refuges and do it over two or three days rather than uh, trying to do it all in one because I, I didn't get to do the most beautiful part of it either I believe once you've got past uh, Paz de la Caz all that bit's absolutely gorgeous I didn't get that far I, I bailed out somewhere in between La Marginada and Paz de la Caz so yeah I didn't get to see all the, the nicest bits unfortunately. As the years have gone by because it's been my, I think coming up to three years now have you looked back on that DNF and do you have more of an insight as to why you think you didn't finish? Yes I do and I think if I did it again now I think I would finish because um well it's going to sound ridiculous but one of the reasons I stopped was because I had really bad blisters 
and uh, I, I just, uh, I think I, I was a bit of a wimp about the blisters. I would have definitely pushed on through that now. And I got really dehydrated, uh, which was the other reason. And uh, I, I kind of know what I'm doing a lot better with my fueling and my nutrition. And I don't think I'd have let myself get into that state again. Plus a bit more mental resilience, you know, three years on. And, and the other mistake I made was uh, I had a time goal and it was my first hundred miler and I really should not have had a time goal. I should have just thought, do you know what? Do this one to finish. Um, but, you know, at, at the time I thought, oh, that's not good enough. I really want to do it. in. I think I wanted to do it in under 30 hours. And um, so, you know, I, I set off too fast, didn't look after myself properly. Um, and yeah, I, I would do it differently next time for sure. I'd go out slower. I wouldn't try to keep up with all the fast people at the front. I'd do what you did and have a bit of a kip at La Marginada. <laughs> I think that would have sorted me out, to be honest. But I just, no, it was either 30 hours or nothing. And that was a mistake. Well, I think with that kind of insight, I definitely think you would have finished because it really sounds quite thoughtful, everything you just said. And yeah, I'd have no question about you finishing now. Yeah, it's a shame they've put that race to bed. But I guess, you know, with the politics and everything, it, it is um, as it is and nothing we can do about that. But yeah, it'd be cool to do it over a couple of days, like the UTMB uh, walk kind of thing. So Okay, so that's how we met. That I, I mean, I remember yeah. you and Angus and your two children just being just really a beacon of light, I guess. Sarah, how long have you been running and what first got you involved into running? Okay, so I haven't been running for that long, really. I, I don't think this is that much of an unusual story. But I had a bit of a midlife crisis when I was in the year that when I was turning 40 and uh, I could see the way that my life was going. And I was either going to just carry on drinking too much, eating too much curry and just sort of getting unhealthy and fat, or I could try and do something about it. So I decided to take up running kind of inspired by a couple of friends who I didn't consider to be sporty themselves, but they'd taken up running and, uh, they introduced me to the idea that you could actually like, go slow or you could walk. And that had never occurred to me before. I'd always thought, well, I can't possibly run. It's far too difficult. But um, when I heard that you could actually take walk breaks and it wasn't cheating, I thought, oh, OK, maybe maybe there's something in that. Maybe I could give it a go. And Angus had always done a bit of running. And uh, I used to always watch him go and think, oh, she must be really fit, must be really fit. But one morning I decided to... Um, to go out after him not with him because I didn't want him to see me or anybody to see me but he set off on his run and I dragged this old pair of trainers out of the wardrobe they weren't even trainers to be honest they were more like you know like deck shoes <laughs> you might wear if you were on a boat and yeah. I didn't have anything else to wear so I wore my pajamas because that was the thing that was most like a tracksuit I possessed so I had this like big long pajama top on and baggy pajama bottoms and deck shoes and, and I just sort of set off from the house and started going around the field and uh, again, I started off a bit too fast I had to like slow down and have a walk and I was like but it's okay to walk you know it's not a problem and then I realized that my lack of equipment was a serious problem I was sweating after about three minutes so I took my pajama top off and I tied it around my chest and it actually helped with the fact that I didn't have a sports bra either so <laughs> it kind of like became dual purpose dual purpose pajama top and uh 
I kind of did a bit more running and uh, I was out there for about 10 minutes, I think, got back to the house and I was just like, I, I ran, I ran. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. And I was just on a high. And, um, you know, I, that was it. I was going the next day and the day after. And I did this for about a week and I was just trying to sort of walk a bit less and run a bit more. Um, and yeah, and it did, you know, every day I could see an improvement. And we're talking about, you know, one and a half kilometers or something. It was ridiculous, but it was amazing to me. And so I went to decathlon and I bought a pair of trainers and, uh, and that was it. I kind of started running accidentally. And, um, and after that, I just kind of started getting challenged by friends to do various things that they were doing. So I had a friend who signed up to do a 10K and uh, she said, oh, you should do that. And I was like, oh, I don't think I could run 10 kilometers. But, you know, it was so far in the future that I kind of built up to it. And I did this 10K and I was terrified that I was going to come last. And I didn't come last. <laughs> and the, the night I did that, I was so happy. Um, and it was so bizarre wearing a number and being involved in racing that I signed up for a marathon six weeks later. Oh my God. Um, again, this was a friend who egged me on into it because he was going to be doing the marathon. And I know, and he, he, he was staying here with me to support me doing that 10K. And uh, he, he said to me, you know, you should do this marathon with me. Just run around with me. Um, you'll be fine. I'm only going to try and do it in four and a half, five hours. I didn't know if that was fast or slow or anything. And I said, I can't, I just can't possibly. But then like after another bottle of wine, I'd suddenly <laughs> clicked on the website and there we go. I was entered into a marathon. So I had six weeks to, to train for that. And then the week before he said to me, oh, I'm injured. I can't run, but you should still definitely do it. I said, well, okay, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I, I pitched up for the marathon and uh, he, he, again, he came to help me and he said, right, you, you've just got to go out really, really slowly. If you think you're running too slowly, go even slower. Right, okay, okay. And we nearly missed the start. I had to leg it to the start and I ended up at the back of the whole field. And, uh, and he was like, it's fine, it's fine. You know, you're going to go really, really slowly. Just take it easy. So it set off and yeah, I was going really, really slowly. And I was thinking I'd quite like to be going a bit faster than this, but no, it's okay. And he came to see me at several points along the course. And uh, I kept saying to him, can I go a bit faster yet? And he was like, no, absolutely not. You're not allowed. So like, okay, okay. Got to halfway and I saw him and I was like, please, can I go a bit faster? And he said, okay, but just a tiny bit. And I was like, okay, okay. And again, I saw him again at about 32, 35K. And he was like, okay, okay, you can go faster now. And But what that meant was that I had a, such a positive experience because you know, I ran a massive negative split and I was just overtaking people the whole way um, because it, it felt so easy for me. So I was like, this is brilliant. I, I love marathon running. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think he gave me such a positive experience by giving me such great advice, even though I was a bit frustrated at the time that, yeah, I mean, I was just hooked. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's some story, you know, from running a, 1.5k in your pajamas and some decking shoes for a boat you know using your pajama as a sports bra to like a 10k and then just a marathon with your friend your friend doesn't even run <laughs> and was that marathon in france yeah it was the marathon de sauterne and um, it was a wine one. Oh, okay yeah they, that they're fun i've done one of those you're 100 like meat dairy mm -hmm. animal products free diet lifestyle even 
Okay, so when I was 14, I went vegetarian and uh, I was vegetarian for a long, long, long time. Um, it never felt quite right for me and I always craved sort of meat when I was vegetarian. You know, typical vegetarian craving bacon and things and it just never felt quite right for me. And uh, I did sort of dip back into eating meat again when I was in my 20s and early 30s and then uh, just... One day I decided to, well, actually, I think it coincided with doing a bit of reading and uh, I, I could just, reading about veganism, something just clicked inside me and I just thought, I've got to give it a go. And so I just, overnight, I, I dropped everything out of my diet, except plants, <laughs> and uh, I immediately knew that it was the right path for me. It, I just felt so much better as a person. It was exactly right. And it, vegetarian wasn't right for me, but veganism was it was it was strange it just made me feel complete so yeah i've been fully plant-based for nearly a decade now and um yeah love it love cooking love eating it's all good so is it possible to kind of be an unhealthy vegan would you say definitely yeah there are lots of unhealthy options um personally i'm not a big fan of all the faux meats and things like that and fried food and yeah they things like vegan fish fingers and stuff. I mean, my kids do actually like them and I do make them for everybody else, but um, I, I prefer to eat whole foods myself. It's totally possible to have a bad vegan diet. You know, you could live on Oreos and crisps and, uh, you know, it, it could be just as bad as an unhealthy meat diet, I would say. But yeah. um, no, it, I, don't, I tend to eat whole foods rather than too much processed stuff. I mean, I don't include chocolate in that. I eat an awful lot of chocolate. <laughs> but thankfully, dark chocolate's vegan. Yeah, dark chocolate. I'm a fan of dark chocolate. In fact, I think it has some health benefits. That's what I um, tell myself anyway. How did you get introduced to Ultra? And how long was it before you pursued and actually ran your first Ultra Marathon? Yeah, well, that summer I had a bit of a flirtation with triathlon as well. And because uh, again, another friend had challenged me to do a triathlon. And, yeah, I mean, it was all right. And uh, I did okay at it. But um, I could see that my first love was definitely running. So having done a marathon challenge, triathlon challenge, I thought, okay, what's next? Um, oh, what's this 50K thing? And I, I saw a few ultras that were about. 50 kilometers I didn't really know that any longer stuff existed at that point but okay that sounds really extreme and I'll enter a 50k so it was about a year after my first marathon that I did uh, a 50k and um, I thought it was just the most technical extreme challenge I'd ever done in my life but looking back actually it wasn't really I mean it was I think it had 2,000 meters of climbing um, so it wasn't ridiculously easy but it was uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And I, I remember coming home to Angus afterwards and saying, we ran up to a ski resort. There was snow. We crossed rivers. We climbed over trees and logs. And I, I just, I, it blew my brains away. <laughs> but yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I thought, all right, okay, I've got to, I've got to look into this more. And I found some longer stuff. And, and so about six months after that, I entered uh, Le Grand Side des Templiers which is 75k and it's really sort of iconic course and um i did that but and my, my mission was just to to finish and i got injured during the race and so I, I remember having to limp my way through that one and it was really really hard but again i was just really pleased to have made the distance it seemed so extreme 
I mean, I'm looking on your ultra sign up now. You actually, you actually won that race. You were like the first. I did. Female. I won the longer version. I did. I went to. Um, I went back the following year and did the hundred k, um, which it's got nearly five thousand meters of vert in it, and it's it's sort of technical, but there are a lot of runnable bits as well. And I was starting to realize at that point that my ideal scenario was races that you could have, have a lot of running in as well. Nothing, nothing too mountainous, but um, I, I, I'm okay with some hills, but I like to have sections where you can run too. And that race was, um, yeah, it was my first big win, if you like, um, with a bit of an international field. And uh, up until then, I'd always thought that everything I'd done was a bit of a fluke. But that one, I was like, wow, you know, I actually feel like I've achieved something here. And uh, it felt great. It really did. What was the difference between running the 73K in 2014 to winning the 100K in 2015 in your training approach to training and maybe diet or lifestyle? Oh, good question. Um, I think I did a lot more volume because um, <clears throat> I was still kind of, I think I was still doing mostly marathon training when I trailed for, trained for the um, 73k one. And uh, I was doing, yeah, I, I think probably I hadn't done any back to back runs then or my longest run before that was uh, a, a marathon. I did a that, yeah, my longest training run was a marathon, but for the endurance trail, I did some back-to-backs. I did 50K in the build-up, just, probably just a bit more volume, really. And I think I did less speed work, which now I do speed work again. I do sort of everything, volume and speed work. So, but then I think I, I was concentrating on the volume more. What was your drive after you won the um, endurance trail, the templates? What was your motivation and drive? for ultra um i was still very much into experimenting with trail running then and i wanted to push the distance and i think by that point i'd heard of 100 miles and i mean the first time i heard that anybody had actually run 100 miles i thought i must have made a mistake but i think by that point i was aware of its existence and i thought okay well that that seems like something that i might like to try to do one day but um so it yeah i think it was the year after the endurance trail that i entered my first hundred but um and that was rondadel seams which we've already chatted about but my first yep. successful 100 was two weeks after rondadel seams because you and i both did the north downs way as well yeah. <laughs> and uh for me that was vengeance for ronda because obviously i hadn't finished the race so i didn't need any recovery and uh, i i had a really good day that day despite getting lost and uh, yeah so i thought okay i have to do another 100 and yeah. then and that takes us up to two, 2018 which is an interesting year because that is the year that you wrote me a training plan for my marathon exactly. and that's how i started the year so you wrote me uh, and you gave me my first uh, 100 mile weeks. I'd never done that before. And uh, so it was you who helped me push the volume a bit and incorporated speed work with it. Uh, followed that plan, ran a PB at London, which set me up for the most amazing year. Because um, London, it was that hot year. Everybody always complains about it. 2018, it was really hot. And to be honest, it was. And I, I cramped up like I've never cramped before. 
So I, I, it was a PB, but it wasn't, I knew it wasn't my best performance. So I still had a little bit left after London. So I just dropped into a six hour race and um, just off the cuff, just for fun, really. And um, I ran uh, 74.2 kilometers. And um, I didn't realize at the time, but that was like, it was a record and it was the best performance in France for like 15 years. And in fact, yeah, it's, it's um, still one of the best performances, I think, because I don't think many people do six hour races. So I'm not under any illusions. You know, I know if Paula Radcliffe <laughs> did a six hour race, she'd go much further than that. But um, yeah, in, in our little tiny niche sport, it was quite good. And uh, after that, I went on to run the South Downs Way. And I, I think I was carrying so much fitness from that basically six hour tempo run that the South Downs Way was an absolute dream for me. <laughs> I felt so good. I had such a good day. And I had an unexpected um, pacer as well because um, my friend Sarah was meant to be pacing her husband and he dropped out. And so she said, oh, do you want me to pace you? And it had never occurred to me to have a pacer, but God, that made it easier. I mean, it really did. It gave me a massive advantage, I have to say. She was opening the gates for me and she was filling up my water bottles. She was making sure I ate and drank. It was brilliant. So yeah, that day could not have gone any better for me. 2018, great year. So we ran um, two weeks after Andorra then, the 100 mile of the North Downs Way. Wow. Yeah, it's I nuts, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Didn't realise that. <laughs> <laughs> what were we thinking? I know. What were you thinking? And you came third or second. You were definitely yeah. on the podium. Yeah, I think I, I did. Well, I know I came third. I was about 18 minutes from second. But yeah, geez. I think the six-hour tempo run definitely had... Uh, help and contribution to getting you into the first position on the South Downs way. I actually watched that. There's, I'll share a link in the show notes for anyone. There's a video been made about that, hasn't there? And it's in French and part of it is in English. That's right. And it's got, um, you can either get English or French subtitles for the whole thing. That was uh, my friend Vincent from Eyes and Trails TV. He, um, he's really, really good amateur, aspiring to be professional filmmaker. And um, yeah, I, I love that film. I think it's probably me who's made most, most of the views of that on YouTube. <laughs> if, I, if I'm feeling a bit like, if I need a bit of inspiration before a race, um, then I'll put that on. He's also made another film about you called A Trail Life, which is really nice, which I watched. Oh, uh, that's, thank you for watching. It's really nice. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it because it just shows where you live and do you want to like you're actually surrounded by um nature really aren't you in your um your house and your family you're all surrounded by quite lovely countryside i'm really lucky i mean we really do live in the middle of nowhere it's uh, it, it is it's very pastoral um the only problem with it is it's it's very flat and so if I wanted to do any of these mountain races, I struggled and I'd have to drive quite a long way uh, to find a hill, any sort of hill. So I've been known to be very inventive with stairs and things like that in my training, stadium steps and yeah, these little lumps that I can find, which I'll have to run up about 50 times. I think actually I find myself getting into almost a, not a meditative state, but just a, well, actually, yeah, kind of a meditative Zen state when I'm going up and down a hill. It's just you know, I don't have to think about crossing a road or, or turning left or turning right. It's literally just up and down the hill. And there's something about it which I find quite cathartic and I enjoy it. So 
I'm good with that personally. I'm good with it. I'm really good with it. I'm good with repetition and I'm good with just going up and down a hill. I, I, don't, I there's something about if I'm doing proper hard hill repeats as well, I can push myself on those much, much harder than I can if I'm doing something really quick on the flat. I think I just give up a bit on the flat and I slow down, but the hill, it makes you carry on with that effort until you get to the top. So I think I actually, I train harder on a hill just because, yeah, I've got no excuse to, to back off. <laughs> I know I'm lazy. <laughs> there was also a small, I wouldn't call it a hill, but it was like a wooden bridge in that six hour event you did. There was, there was a hill in that event. Honestly, oh, was there a hill too? It was. There was a wooden bridge. There was a really tight turn and there was a hill going up the road and uh, it was nine meters of elevation each lap. But by the time I'd done 74, it was 700 meters of, of elevation. Wow. <laughs> it was a mole hill that became a mountain. <laughs> I know. But you see, I don't think it hurt me that because I think it actually maybe gave my muscles a bit of a break with the slight up and the slight down. And I love running downhill. So every time I got to the top of the hill, I was like, ah, oh, this is brilliant. And I loved the descent. And so, you know, it varied the circuit. And I honestly think it helped rather than hindered. <laughs> Just to give an idea to um, the listeners, what was your average pace for that six hours? In kilometers, it was about 450 455 pace it was it was under five minutes yeah yeah um under five minutes per kilometer maybe yeah maybe 450 yeah that's... we need somebody to convert it into miles i don't know what that is shall i go and look on my fridge i've got a scruffy bit of paper from my fridge which i have stuck on there because if anybody talks to me in miles my brain just goes to mush okay i think it was 750 mile miling does that's... that sound about right that's so fast. No wonder it's a record. I mean, you know, seven odd minute miles and, and just, wow, that really does give you an idea of <laughs> how quick it is. And, and so I, I never want to do another six hour because I don't think I can do better than that. I honestly, that was, it was just the perfect day. I, I, so I'm very put off having another crack at it because I don't think there's any improvement there. It was just perfection. I loved it. And yeah. Have you had any injuries that you could share with us, like uh, anything that you could talk about? And how did you overcome those injuries? And what did you do to train while you had those injuries? I think I've had every injury. <laughs> I, um, I think, again, it's partly because I started off uh, a bit too enthusiastically. And I, I started off uh, doing quite a lot of speed work and things. Well, obviously, after I'd got over the initial boat shoes and the walking breaks and things then I, I started off kind of getting too into doing intervals and that kind of thing and so I just I was always injured always I've, I've had oh gosh plantar fasciitis I've had Achilles tendon issues I've had stress fractures in my feet I've had lots and lots of foot issues I've had knee problems um yeah I've had I've had everything basically um but now I'm getting a bit more resilient, I think. And I also just know how to manage things. And I know that a lot of things you can still run through as well. Because I used to be absolutely terrified and I used to stop running straight away. And uh, oh, if something hurt, I'd be like, oh, no, no, I'm injured. I'm injured. Rest, rest. And now I'm like, well, yeah, I'm a bit injured. But, you know, I'll just reduce my mileage and do a bit more cross training and uh, I'll be all right. And, and I found that doing back to the old hill reps, I think you can do hill reps even if you're like 
belly injured. <laughs> In fact, this is going to be absolutely terrible advice to everybody. But even my stress fracture, I, of, it was the third metatarsal, so yeah, in, in my foot. And uh, I took four weeks, almost complete rest. I did a little bit of walking, but then after four weeks, I started running again. And if it started to hurt, I just had a day off afterwards. And if it didn't hurt, I just carried on. And, you know, it, it worked for me. And I, I was running properly again, like seven weeks after the stress fracture, just it just gone. It was fine. So I don't know if carrying on doing something helped, but it certainly didn't. Uh, people say, oh, if, if you get the pain again, it means that it's completely broken. You're back to square one. I don't I don't actually think that's true. But nobody take my advice. This is just, I'm a doctor dodger as it is. And I'm a bit of a risk taker. So that's just the kind of thing that I do. <laughs> and I'm sure you've got to listen to your own body. I mean, just before uh, you came onto this show, now you being the second guest, Michael McKnight was the first guest. And he said just after he started running, he broke his back, you know? And, <gasps> Ooh, uh, really? Yeah, I don't, it wasn't during running. Uh, I can't remember what he said, how he did it, but the doctor told him that he may be in bed for like nine months or something. And um, he said he was running within three weeks. So you can't always, you know, can, you, can you imagine if you listen to the doctor and for a whole year you lay in bed and don't do anything? But no, he was out running within three weeks. And so yeah, you, you, sometimes I think it's good to listen to your body. And again, none of us here are doctors, so you know, mm. medical advice, but I think, yeah, listen to your own body and see what that's got to say. Well, Michael McKnight makes my stress fracture story look really pathetic. <laughs> I don't know, everyone's got their own stories. I think that's pretty serious. Where are you at now with your ultra running and your running, are you, do you currently, because with COVID-19, do you have, have you had to change your calendar for the year or your approach to what you were expecting to do? Absolutely. I've had six races cancelled and uh, the most important one of those and the most gutting for me is uh, the European 24-hour championships because um, I got selected for Team GB uh, to compete in that championship. And uh, yeah, it's been cancelled and I don't know what my chances are of staying in the team for the Worlds next year. Um, I'm not sure. There's, there's obviously a chance, but I think, uh, I think if I want to secure my place, I'll have to try and do another 24-hour before then and uh, try to run a bigger number than I did last year when I qualified. Let's backtrack a little bit to when you did qualify with the 24-hour. So do you just want to say... Um, what a 24 hour is and and um and and what your part in that was and what your outcome was and where it was and yes. so on. so the 24 hour is something that I always said there's no way I would ever want to do that because it basically involves just running around generally a very small loop with 24 hours uh, it can be on a track just like a 400 meter running track or it can be on a slightly bigger circuit um like the one I did which was on a one kilometer circuit which it, it was fine. <laughs> and uh, the, one, the one that I entered, it was actually um, aside to the world championships last year of 24 hour racing. They always have an open race at the same event um, that anybody can enter. And uh, so you get to actually run with all the elites. So I was sort of running with people like Camille and Courtney and all the 
Team GB and Dan Lawson and everybody. It was so fab. But I was, you know, in the open category. And there was no pressure on me whatsoever at all. Nobody cared what I was doing. All eyes were on Camille and, uh, and you know, all the big guns in that race. And so all I did was just... Uh, chugged around at my own little pace I decided that what I was going to do was just not stop basically so I wasn't going to look at pace I was just going to keep moving the whole time and uh, I did and I got my nutrition right which is so difficult in a long race like that and that a lot of people were dying I saw pukers everywhere <laughs> you know, people just death marching and a lot of them were saying it's just i just can't eat i can't eat whereas i was just chowing stuff down you know i constantly had something in my hand in my mouth um i don't think i went a single lap without having something which it turns out is a really good way for me to to race and so i did 215 kilometers which uh, I, I i thought i could probably do 200 and uh, I sort of secretly hoped I might be able to do 212, which was the GB qualifi qualification standard. Um, so, yeah, I got to 215 and uh, I thought, well, that's it. I'm never going to do another one. I'm really happy with that. Jobs are good. And, um, and then the next day I was like, oh, but I made the Team GB standard. So uh, they uh, invited me to join the, the squad and I applied to be on the team and yeah I got a place partly and because a couple of the best girls that we've had in the past have um, ducked out for this year so I know that my place is possibly a bit precarious but I'll do what I can to hold on to it. <laughs> what were the um, entry requirements for the GB team with is it just what's the distance requirement? Yeah so I can't remember what it is for guys I think it might be 235 kilometers for guys and for girls it is yeah 212 and you got what was your distance again remind me 215 wow so you say your goal was to just keep on going and you also made sure that you were eating so did you stop at all or, or sleep or or walk or how did that work um no 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 walking i stopped um to have a cup of tea twice i was just really just really fancied a cup of tea <laughs> and uh i i had a quick change of kit as well just you know for comfort it was a bit nicer i had in the first 12 hours i hardly stopped at all um but in the last yeah the last eight to 12 i had to stop for so many pee breaks i think i might have taken too many electrolytes and uh, like every two laps i was stopping for yet another pee break that was driving me crazy <laughs> um so, but, so yeah the only reason that i stopped was for essentials it was uh, I, I didn't have any walk breaks at all i just kind of kept yeah plodding around at my own pace and there were lots of different tactics that you can use in a 24-hour race and um, most people, I think, had some kind of walk break in there. But I believe that Yanis um, Chorus, you know, the best ever, yeah. his strategy was not to do like three laps uh, running, one lap walking. He did three laps running, one lap running really fast. So, and it kind of woke him up, I think. And, and to me, that it, I, it's really intrigued me as a tactic that, because, you know, sometimes if you feel a bit rubbish on a run, and you do a few strides like you feel so much better afterwards and you run a little bit faster after you've done the strides as well so i think i can really see how that actually could work instead of slowing down speed up and just vary 
yeah, go through your gears a bit. So yeah. next time I do one, I might give that a bit of a go. So your goals this year were actually to enter another twenty to enter another twenty four hour as part of the Great British um, Ultra Running Team. Exactly that. Yeah. So that was meant to be um, in Italy, northern Italy, which was you know where they were hit really badly by COVID nineteen, yeah. and that was meant to be in September. So that has been cancelled, and the next event that. Uh, will be the yeah the next team of GB event would be the Worlds which is in Romania next May um, but yeah I mean I suppose that even that might get cancelled and like I say I, I think I'd have to try and secure my place on the team for that so maybe I'll end up running another 24 hour just a little local one or something at the end of the year to see if I can improve on on last year but again I don't know if I can. We'll see. I had a pretty good day in the last one. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I think it's down to enjoyment and motivation and, uh, and what inspires you. You know, it's, you know, I mean, we get sometimes carried away with trying to be faster and better all the time. In fact, I, I met this 78 uh, year old fellow in Thailand and he asked me um, if I'd got, I said, I'm running out of time to get a PB. And he said to me, PB, what does PB mean to you? And I said, personal best. And he said, what, in terms of time? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I got a PB yesterday. I went running and I felt better than I did uh, when I was in my 50s. And I was like, okay, all right. So yeah, often PB, we see it as faster and stronger, but often a PB can be just, you feel better. You know, it depends what your interpretation of it is. I love that yeah that's so good and i think this is where i'm going to go in not so very many years time um i just want to do a bit more fast packing i think and uh yeah just personal challenges maybe but you know like, like see if i could do the gr10 the gr20 just take my time over these routes and uh, enjoy them and like you say just have an adventure and not have the pressure of the competition and that you know probably be able to do them with my husband which is nice might have to wait for the kids to leave home first which i'm not actually looking forward to i'm certainly not wishing this time away my kids are brilliant well, <laughs> i've told them that they're not allowed to leave home but i think they will <laughs> i've seen um, you know you're talking about some kind of longer trails and appalachian trail in america uh, there's loads of youtube videos um and there's one in particular one with a whole family and there's five children and one of them's a baby and they hike the entire Appalachian Trail. So don't rule out doing really? some fast packing with your children, you know, because uh, it's, it's already been done. You know, you wouldn't be uh, doing anything new or out of the ordinary. So, um, yeah, you can do that kind of things, things with your children, which is really nice. Wow. And where are you placed now with your Appalachian Trail experiences? Are you going to have another crack at it? Yeah, I will. I'm in talks with uh, someone called Justin who wants to document, uh, film, do a film documentary about it. Um, and we're going to have a go at that next year in um, summertime, if all goes well with COVID-19 and going to America and stuff. But originally I was going to go this year, but uh, it, it's just a little bit uncertain at the moment, considering we can't fly into the country. So I think you know it all seems a little bit last minute and and so it's going to be put off till next year but 
Uh, yeah, um, I'm excited to do it. And like you said, you know, it's just getting out there and having an adventure. Uh, so I suppose in the meantime, would you be looking for things to do more closer to home, not in, including having a bib? Like, get have you thought about like either entering a virtual race or creating your own challenge outside of organized races? Well, actually, next week um, I've entered the Centurion uh, One community event just for a bit of fun. That's a virtual event. And it's, um, yeah, it's just to do 100 miles in a week, which, uh, yeah, just to be part of something really. And I also wanted to support uh, Centurion as well because they were the only race that gave me any sort of refund out of all the races that I had cancelled. <laughs> and I just really appreciated that. Some, some of the races didn't even email me or they didn't even tell me that they'd been cancelled. And I just really appreciated uh, that Centurion were so diligent about that. And so, um, yeah, I thought that would be a nice thing to do. And I can see myself just having time away from racing and not missing it at all to be honest i've done so much of it and i've found it quite um yeah a bit of a stretch mentally ever since probably about ever since 2018 uh, i think because i was pushing myself as hard as i possibly could by that point i kind of knew what i could do and i, I really rinsed myself and ever since then uh, every race i do i know is going to be mentally very very difficult so I think I've only got a certain amount of competitive races left in me mentally so uh, and I've heard the other side of, of the story and people saying well it's kind of pointless to pay to run on where you'd be running anyway but I think I think people do like to be a part of something don't they and post photos and have a bit of a chat about it just makes makes life a bit more interesting sometimes okay so what advice would you give to a 20 year old Sarah <laughs> um you can do anything you want to do you just have to give it a try yeah I, definitely i wish i'd i wish i could give that advice to myself age three and believe it <laughs> yeah um, my mum's always told me i can do anything i want to do but it took until i was 40 and it took running to to show that to me yeah um, yeah and it's it it's given me so much more confidence in all of my life, um, not just running things. It's completely changed me. Um, it's, yeah, again, like being vegan, being a runner was something I was always destined to be, I think. And I think if I had started running earlier, um, that perhaps I wouldn't have stuck with it. I think there's something about being a bit older that makes you more determined and you have a bit more sticking power, a bit more maybe like resilience. No, I like that. Give the advice to even if you were three. There's no limit, is there, on self-belief age-wise. How about, um, have you got like any tips for beginner runners? You know, um, those people who are out there in their clogs and their pajamas running one and a half K. <laughs> you know, you got any um, tips or advice for beginner runners? Yes, definitely. But just, you just reminded me of something. You say you're running in clogs. Well, I we haven't talked about this one actually but last year I did a 500k non-stop race and again it was just to finish it wasn't particularly to be competitive it was for the experience and it was across France and um you know I again I set off a bit too fast and got a bit excited and I was trying to run the whole thing and uh this guy who ran the whole thing in crocs kicked my butt <laughs> 
he he just didn't stop basically he just he carried on and he ended up coming about sort of seventh overall and uh he, yeah they were just the, the archetypal crock and he didn't have one blister at all his feet were perfect at the end i mean it just goes to show but yes advice to beginner runners wear, wear crocs <laughs> no don't wear crocs or clogs or anything um walk <laughs> put you leave your ego at home this this actually applies to any runner whether they're experienced or inexperienced and um just go really really easy most of the time and uh, don't be afraid to walk walk the hills i walk the hills everybody except the absolute elite walk the hills and it's not a failure it's just you know sensible really so and it counts if you go out for a run and you have to walk for 10 minutes in the middle it's still a run it's fine <laughs> so definitely a bit more of that and that applies to experienced runners as well and most people should slow right down and just you know warm up it's an absolute crawl and uh, and do a lot of running where you barely feel like you're doing anything it's so enjoyable and don't worry if you're running like oh i need to look at my piece of paper again don't worry if you're running at <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to convert it into miles. <laughs> okay, don't worry, worry if you're running 12 minute miles. There yeah. we go. <laughs> it's fine and it's all good and it's all aerobic and you're still creating mitochondria for your cells. And, um, you know, it's just so much more pleasurable than going out and running in that kind of horrible zone three area where yeah. you're like pushing yourself a bit, but you're not doing enough to get any fitter. It doesn't do anything. It's pointless pain so like go slow and then sometimes when you're ready for it go really fast <laughs> is there a certain kit over the years that you've you've changed that you used to use like for example a bladder on your back to now bottles up front or you know have it have you got quite used to your kit and you is there any favorite pieces of kit that you use i i've done exactly that actually i do have bottles on the front rather than uh uh, what you call it a bladder because it's just easier to fill them up at aid stations that's that's the only reason really and uh, oh and the bladders are a bit sloshy aren't they but yeah. yes and the, the main thing about kit i almost feel embarrassed to say but i've been running in vapor flies and uh oh god they're so good <laughs> wow. and yeah I, I run in hokers most of the time i like hokers um but for races really i the vapor fly or the next percent which i've got now the, the only reason that i've pb'd in the last year is because of those shoes honestly that they make that much difference it's it's not me having improved it's the shoes i <laughs> so i absolutely love them but i also know that it's it is kind of yeah i call them my cheating shoes which i think is probably a fair assessment but god you know they're legal so <laughs> i'm gonna carry on wearing them i run my six hours in in the vapor fly so yeah. yeah it's a cheating six hours <laughs> i don't know not if everyone's allowed to wear them it's not cheating you know <laughs> yeah i know but they, they do make a difference they do yeah. how about is there any sponsors that you want to give a shout out to or not maybe um i am not really either looking for any sponsors i i I've had a few sponsors in the past and if i'm going to be completely honest it's kind of a lot of work that i don't really enjoy for not very much return and um, you know you're expected to put a lot of posts out there on social media and it always feels a bit fake to me 
oh yeah. look at me running with this bar and I, I don't like it it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable and uh, yeah you know you might get a bit of free nutrition or something but I feel I, I mean I've never supported a product that I don't actually use but I just feel a bit fake doing it as well it doesn't sit right with me so I'm kind of I've moved on from that really yeah although if Nike wants to send me a pair of uh, next percent that's absolutely fine <laughs> I'll put so them on social media if, if I see you smiling with a big grin holding some Nikes on your social media I'll be like yep <laughs> Nike <laughs> on the team <laughs> Yeah, well, I think even the proper elites struggle to get sponsored by Nike. So uh, I don't think there's much chance of that happening. <laughs> so the one I know who is sponsored by Nike is actually uh, Camille Heron. Is that yeah, right? but she really struggled to, she, she had to um, really fight for it, I, I believe. How about like, uh, like, just to share your story, not to, um, obviously you don't want to blow up sponsors and stuff. You can buy your own energy bars, but um yeah, so what's your social media? Do you is, is there any kind of social media that you want to share with people in case, you know, someone may become inspired or want to follow you in your uh, future running and adventures? You can share anything like, and I'll probably share it in some show notes as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm so happy for anybody to get in touch with me if they want any, um, yeah, advice or encouragement. It's fine. So I'll give you the details to put in the show notes. That's probably the easiest thing. But yeah. um, on, on Twitter and Insta, I'm Cake Wine Running. So you can find me there. Um, but I'm quite happy to uh, hand out any other details. And also, um, I've got a little movie coming out about me, hopefully fairly soon as well. And it, it's that 500K that I mentioned also by... Vincent, who made the six-hour film, and uh, when that's ready, I'd love it if people would watch it because I think it's going to be blood, sweat, tears, vomit. It's not, you know, there are interesting things that happen. <laughs> it's not rainbow unicorns, so I think it should make quite a good story, and that would make me very happy. So that's the only thing that I'd like to plug, but it's not out yet. So uh, we'll have to. Uh, I'll let you know when it's released and uh, you can share it for me. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'd love to share that. And I'd, I'd like to watch it myself as well. Um, and you say it's the same filmmaker, so it's going to be great because I really enjoyed the other two films that he made about you and the six He's hours. so good. He's so, so good. And during the 500k, he'd just suddenly pop out of a bush. <laughs> I wouldn't know where he was going to be. And he had a drone. And I'd just be running along in the middle of nowhere. And I'd just hear this. And he'd be filming me with the drone. And he, he, honestly, he's got the most beautiful panoramic shots. I literally cannot wait to see it. He's so good. And uh, yeah, well done, Vincent. <laughs> was Vincent there just filming you, your story then? So he, he was there just to film you or was it the entire event? Exactly that. And no, he was just there to film me. We kind of thought it might be mutually beneficial because it would give me the most amazing memento to have for the rest of my life and um, give him the experience of making a proper... He's hoping it's going to be 40 minutes long, so like a proper kind of documentary. Wow. And um, yeah, I think... I was a bit worried about the story just being about me because there were so many other interesting people in that event, like the guy who ran in Crocs. Um, so I'm hoping they'll get a bit of a mention as well. But yes, I, I did provide a lot of entertainment, I think, especially when I threw up a strawberry. But I don't know if that'll make the final cut or not. <laughs> oh, man. 
picture of a strawberry. That's uh, what, still <laughs> a whole strawberry, a small piece? Yeah, I mean, I just couldn't. I, it was really hot and I just couldn't eat anything. And so Angus offered me some strawberries and I was like, oh, they look really nice. And I ate one and it just didn't even get <laughs> halfway down. It just came straight back up again. <laughs> but this is like the glamorous world of ultra running, as you know. You know, we've already talked about peeing and puking and bleeding and blisters and yeah <laughs> we all know if, we, if, if anybody's done an ultra and they know about this stuff i won't be shocking anybody no that's i think that's the first throwing up the strawberry well i mean that's about <laughs> an hour so i mean that's all good sarah you know that's uh this i i, I probably could have asked a lot more better questions and been a lot more structured but i think what's gonna happen with this is a bit like when you were running in your pajamas using your as, as as a sports bra you know and you you weren't that great but eventually you did become quite good at it you know ultra running i hopefully will eventually uh become a little bit better at podcasting but there's only one way to um do that and that's to actually put yourself out there and have a go you know Really appreciate you guys listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate it on iTunes. Uh, check out the show notes for uh, Sarah's social media and some of the videos that have been filmed about her. And have a great day, guys.